Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule, but before we do, guys, Valentine's Day is here, and I'm wondering, like... What are some of your love languages? How do you how do you feel love? Do you guys do you guys know what the love languages are? Uh, you want to you want to list them off so I we can get them list right. Them. I can list them off. So it's words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, uh, gifts, and acts of service. Which of those make you feel Fer- the most Ferris, what, loved? What makes you feel loved? Do I have to pick one? You can pick. You, you can know what makes me feel loved? Not having this conversation. Well, <laughs> Sorry. I love you. Uh, All right, list them again. Okay. And do I have to pick one? No, or, you can, or have can there be a, pick a couple. You can have multiple. Okay. So, words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, gifts, and acts of service. Oh, man. Okay, so I think I'm going to have to pick acts of service first mm-hmm. because uh, I... I'm assuming that if I don't notice when people do certain things, like if I don't think it's a big deal, like if someone gives me a gift and I don't think it's a big deal, that's not really my love language, right? Yeah. So I am always amazed and I take notice. Like my half and half at my house never runs out. Like my wife, and she doesn't drink coffee. So I'm always amazed. Mm. Like somehow she knows my half and half is running out and a new (laughs) thing a half and half shows up. Or like there's all these little things that my wife does that tells me that she's paying attention and they're not things that in any way she benefits from. She only does them because she loves me. That's good. Yeah. So I would say acts of service first, I guess. Okay. Words, can words of affirmation be, can, I want to add a love language. Okay. <laughs> what? Like, I know like some Klingon. dude wrote this book, right? Who wrote this book? Gary, Gary Chapman? Is this, is this his thing? I don't remember his name. Okay. Five love languages. Somebody dude. named Gary though. Okay. okay. What if there's a sixth language? What would it be? You, you got one? Written notes. Is that words of affirmation? I think it's probably I words, it's, but uh, yeah, if that's particular. Okay. Yeah. I, if someone hand writes me a note, that is significantly encouraging to me and I save them. So Mm -hmm. I have a file in my office of notes I get from people that if I'm having a bad day, I just pull them out and start reading them, Mm. which is totally different to me than like if you preach a sermon and someone comes up and is like, hey, good sermon. I'm like, yeah, I I really don't like that (laughs) at all. It it does not warm my soul at all. So you don't like to be affirmed maybe like like to your face? You just want to get it in a note? Like, does it make you feel awkward when people like affirm you in person? What makes me feel awkward is continuing to talk about this. So I think Clayton <laughs> okay, should have to it. answer. Oh, sorry. All right. So okay. <laughs> uh, well, I can definitely eliminate one. I can eliminate one. Uh, don't touch me. Like that. I, I, I like my my wife, my children. Like I, I love you know hugs and cuddles and kisses with my kids or whatever. But like everybody else, like I don't I don't need a pat on the back. I don't need a high five. I don't need a hug. Like. Like that's, I just don't need that. Um, I don't need a so, so not that. Um, I, you know, it's funny because we've talked about how we don't exchange gifts like my wife and I for things because it's just not, it doesn't make sense to like buy things and we're, you know, we see each other's Amazon, whatever. Um, but gifts really is like if someone thinks to get me something, it doesn't, not like a big thing, but just like a, I thought you'd like this or this, this would be special to you. Uh, that I find myself surprisingly moved by those things. Like your Captain America shield. My, like my Captain say, America yeah. shield is, is absolutely one of the, where it's like, that was amazing. So, mm-hmm. um, and then I would also say words. So uh, like Eric said, uh, it doesn't have to be handwritten, but I, uh, but people, people listening will 
are in my file. Like the people who write notes after a sermon or a message or just something to be encouraging, like an email, I save every single one of those. I have a file on, on my computer with, with all of those things. And if it's a physical thing and I don't want to like keep a copy of it, I'll take a picture and I'll put it in that file. So mm-hmm. uh, those absolutely encourage me. Are so the next time you preach, hey, everybody listening, if you attend Christ Community <laughs> Church, the next time Clayton preaches, I think what he just said was, if you would all walk up to him in the Welcome Center and give him a big bear hug, he <laughs> would feel so affirmed. Oh, my gosh. So if you all could help me out with that, oh gosh. that'd be that'd be fantastic. I can't wait to see that happen. Um, okay, so mine would be uh, quality time first. Um if you carve out intentional time to spend with me, um, like this podcast, like this podcast, do you feel do you I feel do. loved when I you're do. recording I this love podcast? Being with with you guys, the okay. three of you, including our producer Kaylin, I love this time together. But I really do. That doesn't that means a lot to me. If you got out of your way to spend time with me, uh, then that lets me know you care. Um, second one would be words of affirmation. So, really interesting thing is, I. I have a hard time when people like affirm me face to face because I don't really know how to respond. Like I'm like, thank, thank you, um, you're welcome, or like I don't know what to say. Um, but I love cards. Like I grew up um, just like with my parents. Like we loved getting cards. Like I would spend legit maybe 30, 30, 40 minutes in the card aisle trying to find the most perfect card for like a friend or my mom or my dad around birthdays. They did the same thing. And so we just, we collect cards. So same thing, like I guess handwritten notes, all those things, words, words are important to me. Um, so yeah, words and quality time. Okay, so now I have another request. Not only do I want everybody <laughs> to bear hug Clayton in oh, the no. Welcome Center to torture him immensely, but we all said we like notes. Yeah. So That's everybody true. listening to this podcast, you know how you could warm our souls and let us know that you love the podcast? You could email us at, <laughs> what is it, Nikki? Podcast at BibleSavvy.com. There it is. Right. Send or, us a note right now. you could rate and review. Yeah, that's, that, that's also could. nice. We that's like really those. Great too. We do like that's those. Good. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that whatever device you're listening on right now, there's a pause button. So why don't you go ahead and hit the pause button and go ahead and send that email because you're going to forget by the end of the episode. <laughs> true. So hit the pause button and email us at what, Nikki? Podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Very, there you go. You know what I think everyone that's listening to this podcast would love? For us to talk about the passage? Yeah, if we yeah. would stop talking so. about what I makes us so. feel loved and talk about the Bible passage. All right, so 2 Samuel chapter 12. I am comma guy today. Clayton is going to be reading. So we're going to read first and then... Uh, hit the comma method. So 2 Samuel chapter 12, reading verses 1 through 14. All right. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, he grew up with him and, it, and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man who said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. 
I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah, and if this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despise me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But, be, but because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. All right, so the C in the comma method is context. Everything finds its meaning in context. The worst thing you could do to the Bible besides not ever reading it is taking it out of context. So that's why the, the C and the comma method is first and it's context. So uh, just some contextual reminders here of where we are in the story. First and second Samuel are essentially one book. And so it is one continuous story. And so as you start in first Samuel, you see, you see the rise and the fall of Saul, King Saul, the first king of Israel. And as Saul is descending, as he is kind of falling, uh, you start to see the rise of David. And so you have David now as king. A uh, few other storyline reminders. This is not the first time that a king of Israel has been confronted for their wrongdoing. So Saul was the first king of Israel. He, he was confronted for his disobedience and he did not own his stuff. Now what we're seeing is the second king of Israel being confronted for his wrongdoing and David does seem to be owning his stuff. He did wrong, but he's owning it when he's confronted. So you, you have a contrast there. Another bit of fun contextual information, and these are the kinds of things that you can see in the study notes of a good study Bible. And what I'm about to say, we actually talked about in a previous podcast episode uh, a few episodes ago. At the beginning of 1 Samuel, when Samuel was telling the people, I know you think you want a king. You don't just want God as your king, but you want a human king to rise up from among you. But you think that the king is going to be awesome and always do good. But that's not how this is going to go down. And we talked about the fact that in the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible, you actually have some like requirements of what a good king would do, what they should be like. And Samuel is, is telling the, the people of Israel, now, kings are going to do things like take your daughters, tax you heavily, make you go to war, build palaces for themselves, take from among you your women to be his wife. These are all things that bad kings do. Now, here's what we see happening. David is the king of Israel, and you know what he does? He sees a woman he wants, and he essentially takes her. So the immediate context for this story is, and I'm assuming that many of us listening to this podcast are familiar with this story. David sees Bathsheba. He's the king of Israel. Uh, he takes her. He has sexual relations with her. She gets pregnant. Now he has to cover it up. So he, he tries to get Bathsheba's husband to come back from the battlefield and have sex with her so that everyone thinks that the baby is her husband's to kind of cover up his sin. Uh, but that doesn't happen because uh, he tries to, get, tries to get the guy drunk and he just will not go into the house. Uh, 
He's too and, honorable. Yeah. So so that that plot doesn't work. So David sends the guy out to the battlefield and intentionally gets him killed. So now you have murder covering up adultery. And then David takes Bathsheba as his wife. That's what he's getting confronted about. Uh, and so we move on to the O in the comma method, which is observations. What do you see in this text? Uh, Nathan has a very creative way of calling David out. Uh, so it's a, it's a good little storyline there to, I don't know, kind of approach him in a way that's not going to be where David's not going to quickly go, whoa, 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 whoa. And make kind of David respond to it, you know what I mean? React to it almost, and then and then kind of turn it around on him. So it's it's a pretty creative way to 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 get David's attention. It really is. It's like indirect and disarming, you know that, yeah. that there's something. It's almost it's almost like he's trying to like play the part of David that still has a conscience <laughs> off on the part that's ignoring it, right? Like so, if he can evoke that. Then, then he can turn it around and, and like hold it up as a mirror. It's 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 genius. It's it's brilliant. Um, what I noticed here um, is I, I look at when Nathan says, "Okay, you have been given all of these things. Like you already were king, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul, and I gave you know you gave I gave you wives. I had like you you weren't lacking in anything." Um, I think that's a really interesting thing to begin with. Like when, when, like I think about confronting someone, usually I want to say, let me make it clear what you did. But he actually starts with, let, let me make it clear how, how you were blessed. And, and, and I think that's equally genius to the story because sometimes when, maybe all the time when we sin, it's because we think we lack something that, that God was holding out on us. We didn't have what we needed. And so if we do this, we'll get what we need or what we, what we desire. And so he was actually saying, what did you actually lack? Like that you, you acted as if you, you know, you needed this and you, you seized it like, like that was the case, but you had all that you needed more. And so I, I just think that's a, a, a profound realization that when we sin, oftentimes we're overlooking the fact that we've already had our needs provided for. What else? Um, well, I had that, I, I had that same observation. I said, like, God gives good things and he expects good from us in return and and the I don't know if this is like a uh, it's like a good connection to it, but I kind of thought of like this, that that like analogy like you don't bite the hand that feeds you, you know like here God is providing him with everything he could ever want and need, but um, he still he still wants more. He's getting greedy, you yeah. know. Sometimes it may not be that we we want more or we think we need more. Sometimes it's because we think we deserve more. Yeah, yeah, right? which yeah. is which is probably some form of those of those first two things. Let's uh, let let's do this. Let, let let's play a little bit of game with observations today. So, when we're making observations of a text, essentially what we're saying is, you want to read it carefully enough and slowly enough that you're actually engaging with it. Like, what are, what are you really seeing? This is this is the difference between reading your Bible to understand it and apply it, and just reading it because you think that somehow by reading your Bible that God is going to like you more today. Like that's what good Christians do. So I'm just going to knock out my Bible reading for the day. The observation portion of the comma method is saying, I know I really want to understand this. I want to apply it to my life. And so you're just going to slow down and think thoughts. What is it that I'm actually seeing in this text? And it's, it's way more fun with a group of people. No doubt. If you're just sitting by yourself reading your Bible, which is a good thing to do. And we want you to do that. 
Uh, you could just sit there and make a list. What am I, what am I seeing in this text? But when you do it in a community group or just with a, with a group of other believers, uh, you, you see way more things because now you're seeing it through the eyes of other people too. There's an acronym that goes with observations. What are the kinds of things you're looking for? So let's just remind ourselves of the acronym and then we're going we're gonna to play a little bit of game. So the acronym is what? Treats. Treat. T-R-T-S. And those letters stand for? Truths about God. Repeating words and ideas. Oh, sorry. You, you, are, you, are, you, Eric's not, pre- oh, he's just he's looking at us like he's quizzing us. Okay, he's okay. quizzing us. We're I'm on the, the comma guy today. All right, so wait, truths about God, repeating words and ideas. And Some, then the other T? Uh, themes. Yeah, and then something striking. Something striking, yep. and, Which is essentially anything that jumps out Any, at you. Anything. All right, so let's, let's do this today. Let's restrict ourselves only to the first T in the TREATS acronym, which is truths about God. Okay. In, instead of focusing on David as a character study or Nathan and what he did and how clever his rebuking was, let's look for God in this text. What, what do we learn about God from the text we read today? Um, first one that stands out is in verse one. It says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. So it's this idea that God sends people like Nathan um, to speak into our lives and to call us out when necessary. Um, we might not like it, but he does it. Okay, yeah. good. So one truth about God is he could send people. Mm-hmm. What, what is the, there, there's something else connected to that. Uh, that's so obvious. He speaks. He's, he's a God who makes himself known. He communicates. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. he's not silent. Yeah. Why, why, did, why did the Lord send Nathan to David? Because <laughs> he cares about his sin. I mean, like he yeah. wants to, he, he wants to deal with it. Yeah, like th- there's just in this first verse, there are so many things, truths about God that are baked in. God sends people. God cares about David's sin. God sees David's sin. God speaks. So you have a God that sees. He speaks. He cares. He's active. He sends people. And this is just in the first sentence mm-hmm. of this yeah. of this story. So what else? Um, well, we were uh, talking before about all those things that uh, David had that, you know, we we're talking about his needs. But the, when when it says it, he says, God says, I anointed you as king over Israel. So God, you know, anoints the kings and the people that are, that are leaders. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. So he, you know, defeats his enemies. I gave you and then he lists off all the things. So he's a generous God who gives like there's a bunch embedded in that kind of list of blessings of, of the ways God is active. Um, another one would be that God allows us to face the consequences for our sins. Um, Where did you get that? I got that from verse 11. Um, this is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. Um, and then verse 14, it says, you know, but because, but because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. So there is... God is loving and God is forgiving because when David forgives, God says, well, your, you know, your sin has been, what does he say? How does when he David say repents. Sorry, yes. When God David repents, him. God forgives him. But God is still saying, because of your sin, you have to pay the consequence for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even, even just uh, in verse nine, uh, it says, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? It kind of goes back to that same thing before, of like he sees our sin and he cares about it. But there's a, uh, like a, a, a sort of a, almost an emotion behind that of like God looks at certain things and says, no, like this is evil. This is wrong. Like there's something that he he sees and has that 
that judgment, that reaction to. Um, and, and sometimes it's not always the things that we see as that way. Like when you despise something, it's, you think it's small, worthless, not a big deal, but God looks at it and says, no, that's evil. Like that's, that's serious business. So like a, a moral, a moral goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and a, and a caring about how, how humanity, how that's playing out in humanity. One of the truths that I see is that God always keeps his promises. If God says it, you can bank on it. And so if you go back a few chapters, second Samuel chapter seven, which, uh, Hey everyone, that's a, that chapter is a big deal in the Bible. Like if, if, if you try to like chart or put stakes in the ground, moments in the storyline of the Bible that are a big deal. Second Samuel seven is a big deal. It's where David is thinking, Oh, I'm going to build a temple for the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to build a house for God. And God says, no, no, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to make you a household. And it's where the Lord says to David, uh, you are going to be the king of Israel. And actually your family is going to rule over an eternal kingdom, the greatest king and kingdom this world has ever seen. And, and so you have that promise made to David. And, but David, just a few chapters later in the story, is dishonoring the Lord and being disobedient. And what you see the Lord saying to David through Nathan is, I'm going to keep my promise. I'm still going to do what I said I'm going to do. From your family is going to come the greatest king that this world has ever seen, and it's going to be an eternal kingdom. But there's also going to be a lot of turmoil in your family. Uh, this, this has opened the door to something uh, that is not going to be pleasant. And so you have both the promises of God going forward and the consequences of sin running parallel. Hmm. And so God, God keeps his promises. Any, anything else you see? Truths about God. Um, I noticed in verse 12, um, he says, you did this in secret. So his sin was in secret, but I'll do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Um, it, it's one of those truths about God that comes up in other passages that I, I almost I shudder at. Like, like there is something about publicly showing the sin of someone. Now, this doesn't always happen in situations where like some people, you know, their, their sin is in secret and no one really finds out. But on the final day of judgment, like, one of the things God does is he brings into the light the things that were done in the darkness. And so um, that's both like like harsh and hard and merciful uh, to say God's the God who brings things done in the darkness into the light because uh, they need to be seen and exposed. All right. So as we've, we've talked about truths about God in the observation section of the comma method, uh, we, we just want to say to all of you uh, out there listening, that when you're reading your Bible every day, some, sometimes, especially in books like First and Second Samuel, where there's so many great stories and so many good characters to learn from, uh, it's good sometimes to do character studies. Like, what do I learn from David? And what do I learn from how David responded to this? Or what is a negative lesson I learned from this person? Or what's a positive lesson? Those are all good things. But what's better is to always ask yourself, what do I learn about God? in this story. And so here's a little challenge for you over the next week or so of your reading. Every day as you're reading your Bible, take a few minutes and whatever text you read, ask yourself that specific question. What is one or two truths about God that I can learn from this particular text? I think you'll be amazed at how how many things you can find and how your eyes start to become open to the fact that the Bible is God's story. He is the hero of, of all of everything that we're reading in the Bible. All right, we're going to move on to the 
first M in the comma method. Remember, these M's are interchangeable, so we either do meditation or message. And so let's do message first today. What message can you draw from this text? Um, there's a number of things, but once you pointed out all the things that you can see about God, I'm, I'm like, I got a million things in my head, but here's the one I grabbed onto. Um, God can deal with our sin without abandoning us. So I love what you said about the, that God keeps his promises, but also the, all of this stuff where he's actively confronting David's sin. I think those two things together are, are really incredible to say that God will deal with our sin, but that doesn't mean he's abandoned us and that they'll actually follow through on the faithfulness, even when, when he's got to, you know, give us some discipline. Yeah. Um, kind of along the same lines, I, I latched on to God desires repentance and extends forgiveness. Um, throughout that story, the, you know, just Nathan calling David out and David just says, oh, I've sinned against the Lord. Like, Sometimes we just we just need to. I, I think I think the interesting thing about this is David went so long, kind of covering that up that I think like he knew it was wrong, but he kind of became like I don't know, like blind to it, you know, almost like it was like, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And then God was found like, no, it's not. I desire you to repent of this, and when you do, I'm going to forgive you for it. And so, I think that's that's what I got. Mine's going to sound like it comes out of left field because we didn't really talk about it when we were talking about truths about God. Um, it is that the only way to get rid of your sin is through forgiveness. You can try to cover it up. You can try to hide it. You can try to explain it away. You can do all the things that David did. I mean, he went through great lengths to try to cover up what he did, but none of that made it go away. The only thing that really ultimately deals with our sin is the cross of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of God. And so if, you're, if your sin has been harassing you, uh, there is a remedy for that, and it's not cover-up. It's actually what David did, which was owning it. So we're going to move on to meditation today, which is prayerful thinking. This is where our prayer life and our Bible reading life intersect. And so in the Bible Savvy podcast, we take 45 seconds to prayerfully think about one of the messages that we're drawing from the text. And so uh, let's, let's pray and think today, meditate in the category of what we're doing with our sin. Is there any sin that you are covering up or explaining away instead of just bringing it to the Lord and repenting? We move on to the A in the comma method, which is application. How we apply this text to our lives today. Thinking about how some of it's reframing how I, I see things. Like when when I feel like I am being challenged, like where there are aspects of my character that are being you know shown to me, or someone calls me out on something or whatever. Um, it's really easy to sort of see that as like an obstacle. You know what I mean, or or something that's like a like a almost like it's against me. 
Uh, but to see it as something that's that's like a gift from God, like the, like like when God does something to actually like say, here's an area of your life that you've kind of been ignoring or you're not owning up. To see that as not God's abandonment, not God's you know somehow unkind you know action, uh, but as like an invitation to say, I'm, I want to deal with your sin because I haven't abandoned you. Um, it, may, it lets you lean into it and say, okay, this is actually a good thing, uh, even if it's going to be painful. Um, and so for me, I think looking at those places where rather than saying, ah, oh, I want to kind of excuse, you know, someone, someone pointed out something and I don't want to see it or, or whatever, to actually say, no, 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 that's a gift. Let me receive it uh, and, and get the good thing that God wants for me out of it. Yeah, that one is super hard too, because very rarely when people are saying things to us that are revealing, <laughs> do they say it well? Right, this, this is true. They're, they're not Nathan. They're yeah, not Nathan. they're not Nathan. They don't have a, a brilliant parable <laughs> to to lead us to the aha moment in such a gracious and kind way, right? So along those lines, though, I think the work of the Holy Spirit works in the same way because, like, if we don't have someone coming to us and maybe speaking into our lives, I think when we're in the moment, we can sometimes say something, think something, do something that we know is wrong, and we can quickly kind of feel it, like. Oh, I, but kind of push it to the side, like, oh, I'll, I'll figure that out later. I'll deal with that later. And then we never do. Um, and so that's where I think for me, it's like keeping short accounts. Um, that little, that little conscious, like in you, that's usually the Holy Spirit saying like, ah, you know, you probably shouldn't have did that or said that or thought that you probably need to deal with that. And so don't ignore it. So keep short accounts. And ask yourself, okay, what do I need to repent of today? Or even like when you identify it, when you feel it, just be like, okay, what what is this and what do I need to do with it? Instead of just kind of pushing it to the side. Do you mean keep short accounts with the Lord? Yes, like with yourself and with the Lord. So essentially like if like I'm if I'm in an, if I'm in the middle of like if I'm in the middle of anything and for some reason, I don't know, anger creeps up in me. I talk about something. Do you get angry? I get, I get angry. Sometimes. I have never seen you angry. Very angry. It's not a common, common sign. It's not a common thing. I, it's, it's I, just, I have to confess right now that I do get a little bit of joy out of seeing people get angry <laughs> that normally don't get angry. I'm like, I'm like, I knew, I knew it was in there. I knew that they had emotion that was ready to come out at some point. It, 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 you a, are like the rest of us. <laughs> but, but it's like kind of like what... What is springing up in me in the moment that's going to present in me some sort of a wrong attitude if I do something wrong or say something wrong, if I don't deal with it in that moment or shortly after, I can just push it to the side and not have to deal with that at all. And then it just kind of creates this pattern that eventually just turns into a deeper rooted type of sin nature. So keep short accounts and just confess it, repent of it and, and be forgiven for it. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah, I ask that for two reasons. One is because normally when people say keep short accounts, they mean with other people. So I just wanted to make sure that I was oh, understanding no, with what you're myself. Saying. Yeah, like and with God. But second, that that's my application is repent fast. Yeah, yeah. Own it. Yeah, own it a, quick because that's the, a good way to say it. Because the longer you try to explain it or don't do anything with it, the, the worse it gets. And the contrast between David and Saul is striking. Hmm. And if you actually look at what David did compared to what Saul did when Saul was confronted, I, I would actually argue that David did a much worse thing. I know you're not supposed to like evaluate like <laughs> gradations and levels of sin. I, I get all that. But it seems like David did a much worse thing than Saul did. But Saul was not owning his stuff and repenting. 
and it just got worse and worse and worse and the kingdom got taken away from him and he spiraled into madness. David repents. And so, you know, a heart for God isn't about being sinless. It's not about being perfect. It's about having a soft heart and realizing that our sin is primarily against God. It's, it's other, our lives are affected by our own sin and other people's lives are negatively affected by our sin. But our sin, first and foremost, is an affront to the God that made us. And so we repent fast if we want to have a heart for God. That's good. All right. Well, thanks for listening to us this week, friends. You can join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. Happy Valentine's Day! (laughs) 